Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Nana Visitor, and you are watching Trek Culture. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this week's wonderful edition of the Triculture Podcast. We are your hosts, Sean and Tom, and we are joined this week not by Chris, but by Ellie. And hello, Ellie. How are you? Um, I'm alive. <laughs> that is, that. quite frankly, that is something. And we are delighted that you are alive, and we hope that you will continue being alive for some time to come. Well, thank you. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. I, I wonder if this Excellent. is going to be the... Uh, the usual standard for our podcast. We hit January and then I'm ill and then Ellie gets COVID and then Sean's next and until we're all better again in February. Yeah, pretty much. And actually, and I was uh, this, this weekend gone, I was at a, a couple of events that had a lot of people at it. So quite frankly, it's a countdown clock. Yeah. yeah. Do you yeah. know what? It doesn't matter if you go to the, lots of places with lots of people or don't. I never leave my house and somehow I managed to catch COVID. So <laughs> it can catch you anywhere, folks. <laughs> Probably the that supermarket. Is- I feel like you were sat in your room and you know that meme that's the um it's the, the it's like five or six bolts of lightning hitting the ocean surface and it says, you know, and God decreed screw these five or six fish individually. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're one of those fish. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's how it's felt this week. I imagine there's like a evil like g- green cloud seeping into your window <laughs> grabbing you as you're there in your room. I don't oh, know, although Star Trek green cloud. <laughs> That's what I was just oh, going to yeah. say. That's not giving me a good image. Are there candles in the room, Ellie? And your, your hair colour's not far off, so, you know. <laughs> oh, God. You're I'm its type. Anna. I'm its type. <laughs> uh, Duncan Regeer, if you're listening to this podcast, can you please account for your whereabouts over the last four or five days and <laughs> if you were anywhere near Ellie's home? Because, come on now. It's funny once, maybe twice. But like, this is enough now at this stage. Moving yeah. very swiftly along, we do have um, a little bit of news we're going to discuss this week. Um, although, spoiler alert, not a lot of news. For over two centuries, you're listening to the Federation News Network. 
so the the sort of the biggest of the not a lot of news uh, is actually it's an extension of something we covered earlier on this month, which is Paramount's future is a little bit up in question as opposed to where where it's going to end up and under which management. Recently, we had David Ellison, who's the founder of Skydance, was you know, kind of interested in looking to purchase Paramount Plus. This is off the back of the lunch, which again, that's all it was, the lunch between the CEOs of Paramount and Warner Brothers, where again, it was it was discussed. But I mean, we were joking about this before we started recording. I wouldn't mind buying Paramount either. Is there going to be a news story about that? <laughs> yeah, let's just, uh, uh, and I feel like at this point in time, this the news is going to be, and this person was interested, and this person was interested, um, but I, it also well, just feels a little bit like so and so had lunch with so and so. So, oh, I had lunch with someone last week. Does that suddenly mean I'm getting married? Or you know, <laughs> like it's just a lunch. A little bit. Although, in fairness, if you do have a lunch with Bob Agish in the next while, that's news, Ellie. We would like to know about <laughs> yeah, it. Like, why are you having lunch with the CEO of Paramount? Like, well done. I can't um, tell you. If I tell you that, I'll have to kill you. Listen, <laughs> the interesting thing. Uh, is we when we covered the news the other week about the potential new movie, um, lots of the comments from people were saying this is just to attract people to buy Paramount. That seems to be people's thinking towards it. Well, at, well I think it was it was twenty twenty three at the Investors Day. And, you know, it was announced that Star Trek 4 was happening and the entire main cast were coming back to reprise the roles. And, you know, when asked about this, you had uh, definitely you had Zoe Saldana uh, uh, say, oh, that sounds great. Would be nice to hear about that. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you know, anything that's announced before anything's on paper is meaningless. Yeah. Uh, which is and that sounds very cynical. I know it's like I don't mean it to come across. I mean, that would be amazing. If like, oh, amazing, the whole cast, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. But until something's on paper, and then in, in the movie and film industry, until you see a trailer, you know, nothing's really... So until we see a trailer showing us the contract signed of Skydance buying Paramount, it ain't happening. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was younger and hearing the news that they were making a new Mad Max film. And then it was like oh, seven yeah. years until it came out. And luckily, it was still great, so I was happy. But by that point, I was like, "Okay, I guess I'll, I guess I'll watch it." But my excitement died away about three, four, four years ago. I think that's it as well. And like recent, I suppose recent examples would be, oh, sorry, Mad Max, for example, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which I thought was a fabulous movie. Yeah. Now, I am of an age, but I was not around when the first Blade Runner was released in the cinema. Yeah. Um, wasn't that far off it, but still, um, <laughs> and. But so I hadn't been waiting for all that time. I can only imagine, like, you know, waiting 40 years being like, yeah. yeah. I mean, even the, um, I would, when you said that, it made me think of um, Avatar. They practically yeah. said, we'll have another one coming out as soon as the first one came out. And how many years did we have to wait for that one? And by the time the new one came, I mean, I watched it, but I wasn't leaping because I, I'd kind of forgotten <laughs> by yeah. that point. I was like, oh, I yeah, didn't another watch Avatar it. film. It came out and I went, you know what? I don't care. I know what's going to be but, CGI the movie. I have no interest in that. So I did not watch it. John, I, if it had come out a bit sooner, it might have kept audiences interested. But it yeah. just took so long, and I get why. You know, it is a very impressive thing to create, but 
it just took too much time between the first one and the second one. So you're agreeing that we should rush sequels into production at all times? Yes. Or just, we'll just set yourself a limit, and if it's not achievable beyond that <laughs> limit, don't bother. Uh, I was thinking, as I said that, I think the entire uh, artist departments in Marvel's eyes twitched. As I say, I think they're broken. Um, so I, I, I suppose not, not, not to be supposed Debbie Downer about it, but the news is that there really is no news there. And until, as I say, something's on paper and, you know, joint statements have been made, I think, Ellie, you are right. You're going to hear about everyone's gone for lunch at some point or another, as you do in this industry. And it's going to be like, oh, they're buying it. They're buying it. that. That's happening. Yeah, yeah. Sure, I remember not that long ago when the big, long Amazon purchase of MGM was happening. Sure, Stargate got greenlit like 17 times, you know, and yeah. we have yet to see anything else in that uh, franchise. And I mean, I've not lost hope, don't get me wrong, but until it's on paper, it's not happening. Um, that sounds very, that sounds very... Uh, so slightly more, I guess, open-ended positive, but technically it's the same. Uh, Michelle Heard over the weekend um, basically doubled down on comments like we've seen Terry Metallo saying before. It's like, Star Trek Legacy will happen if the fans make enough noise. Um, you know, look what happened with Prodigy. The fans made enough noise. Season two is most definitely airing. Uh, season three obviously remains to be seen. But, you know, we need to kind of jump up and down and be like, yes, we want Star Trek Legacy. And I think that is happening a lot. This is what I don't understand. They keep saying, make noise, make noise. It's like, we are. <laughs> yeah, we have been for a year. <laughs> what more do you want? Uh, <laughs> a plane? Yeah, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. well... <laughs> planes work <laughs> shows don't get made now in Star Trek unless there's a plane involved <laughs> but I, I think what's really really lovely is that the cast all seem to want it so much as well because it's one thing if we were all sitting here make a legacy and they're all like I'd rather put pins in my eyes you know <laughs> uh, and that definitely is not the case or at least or they're doing this weird PR spin but it's definitely not the case um, also feels like it's the right cast members and I don't mean that in like a horrible way but the right cast right. members are the ones that are interested in as much as Michelle Hurd is a plays a character who would likely return in Legacy whereas Patrick mm. Stewart for example maybe well if he did it wouldn't be a, a, a main role like we saw in Picard yeah. it may be a cameo role but it's it's those cast members who are likely to be returning in like a full capacity that we need to be on board yeah, for sure. Uh, Jerry Ryan being another one. Um, Todd Stashwick, I mean, death means nothing in Star Trek unless your name is Jadzia Dax. Uh, yeah. So, you know, everyone can can come back at some point or in some fashion, be it as a hologram, timey-wimey, you know. Uh, so, so, and it was, <clears throat> excuse me, and it was a lot of that ingredients, particularly, of course, in Picard season three, that has, has made the call for legacy soul strong. I would, I'd be, I'd be, I would love to see some of the, it sounds weird to phrase it like this, older Star Trek Picard characters. I'd love to see Elnor. You know, like they had this great potential for the first full Romulan in Starfleet. Saved by a tweet. <laughs> I don't know. It's all right. He wasn't on the Excelsior that day. <laughs> um, you know, you have Kestra Riker, you know, 
Star Trek Picard has introduced great characters over the years. Um, I do not like how they slammed the door on Rios. Um, yeah. But, uh, go, back and, go back in time and get him. When you're getting uh, Liam Shaw, go back and get Rios as well, will you? <laughs> Uh, I just uh, had a um, a thought, and and I don't know if anyone's had this thought yet. And of course, it's coming from me. What if after all this time, they finally make Legacy, and it sucks? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you'll have those people that says absolutely everything that was made post Enterprise sucks. They'll be delighted because that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'll be. But uh, <laughs> everybody wins in some way. Even if it's terrible. (laughs) Um, I think this is the thing, though, as well. I think the reason everyone is so demanding of it is because they want Terry Metalis to be behind it. And because they've seen what he can achieve, that's why everyone's so hopeful for it, because they've seen the potential that it could have. I think if they were just out of nowhere suggesting, let's have this new show called Legacy where we can have cameo appearances, but there was no basis to be going this is why it's going to be good then i can understand why people be like why are you so vocal about this but i think that's why we've seen the potential of what it could be picard season three kind of made a bridge across people who liked the new stuff and people who liked the old stuff who didn't like the new stuff and it sort of brought everyone together not everyone of course but but uh, most people it did quite well um so having more of that but something slightly different i guess just makes sense to do i think so and i th- and, and you're right i mean a lot of those who had detracted a lot from star trek that's come since 2017 saw saw a lot of what, what you know they liked about 90s trek for example in picard season three i went oh actually you know i think it's, it's one of the things i mean in all star trek there's a little something for everyone um yeah. and i think the fact that we've all clung on to this name Star Trek Legacy so much because of course there is no such thing as Star Trek Legacy but I do think I just think it's a great name well there's a video um, game well they're actually you're, you're absolutely right I mean yeah, <laughs> yeah the makers of that game must be delighted <laughs> yeah like okay guys we'll, we'll do it <laughs> yeah. yeah I think one of the things that like you were saying I think what made it so successful season three of Picard is that yeah that cross between having those familiar characters because I had this thought the other day that I feel like a better idea for them when in regards to um, Starfleet Academy. In my mind, I feel like it would have been a better idea to do Starfleet Academy, but do it so you have it set during a time where you have the younger versions of characters we already know. So you could then cast them younger so you don't have to worry about Patrick Stewart or Kate Mulgrew, whoever saying, I don't want to do it. Cast them younger, but then you're still following characters that you're familiar with. And then you can still introduce new characters who, you know, we haven't seen in in these newer shows um, who might have left for whatever reason. Or, But I feel like you could find a year where the majority of the characters that we know would have been around at a similar time mm. or, you know, tweak things slightly. But I don't know. I just feel like for me personally, that's what I like. Once I'm invested in characters, I want to follow those characters and those stories. And I'm all for new characters being introduced. But... I think that finding the balance of incorporating both is the best way to move forward rather than just an entirely new show with an entirely new set of characters that no one cares about. Well, I mean, look, I mean, basically you're describing Strange New Worlds. Uh, and I think and well, yeah. I agree with you. I think it's 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 really good the way that they've done that. They've taken existing characters, obviously recast them. Um, rude that Leonard Nimoy wouldn't come back to reprise the role of Spock. <laughs> 
Um, but and yeah, and then we have Anne Noonie and Singh, who I think is one of the most fascinating characters uh, in Star Trek in a long time. You, but you have characters. Obviously, you got Pike, you got Spock, you've got Chaplin and Benga, all of whom appeared in Star Trek before. Obviously, number one as well. Um, and I think that's a really good way of doing it. And the thing we always give out about is give us the Ortegas episode is because we like her. Mm-hmm. She is a good character. We want more of her as well. It's 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 not a complaint. Well, I suppose it's complaint. Yeah. And, but, and know, I also I, think that, I mean, the Academy setting in itself would be a really interesting thing to follow. And and like we've there have been mentions of relationships and characters and things throughout. You know, I want to see, I want to see Picard and Jack Crusher in their academy years and all of that friendship that we've been alluded towards but never seen let's see that explored and then you have got a new character because although you know who jack crusher is you've never seen him you don't know that full what really happened i just think why have they not done that (laughs) hit me up (laughs) hit me up star trek i'm on it (laughs) whoever wants me (laughs) there's some ideas here some ideas Uh, (laughs) star trek that definitely is happening of course is season three of strange new worlds uh, the second season, second episode of the season has wrapped production. Um, now, we don't know if they're being shot in order. They usually aren't, I think. But anyway, it means that you never know. We could get Strange New Worlds this year. So that, that makes me very excited. Yeah, the director, Jordan Canning, um, I, I want to say tweeted, could have instead, uh, released online the confirmation <laughs> that um, uh, the filming of the second episode was done. So this 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 makes me slightly more optimistic that we might get some of season three this year, mm-hmm. um, which I'm very happy about. Uh, she has directed 12 episodes of Shit's Creek, which is fun. Oh, I love that show so much. Yeah. But, but well, Canadian. So I guess that makes sense because she is Canadian and uh, it, it's shot in Canada. So, but that's fun. She's shot a, a bunch of stuff. stuff. They do. Give us the Shit's Creek, Strange New Worlds crossover in Carrots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Emily Hampshire should be cast in. I think she'd be a good character in Strange New Worlds. Well, yeah, in anything, but yeah, I just, I just, oh, see, now I've gone into this alternate universe where Alexis is on the bridge of the Enterprise, and it's just like you know the Gorn arrival. It's like ew. Yeah. Like, oh, just, <laughs> sorry, I need, I need to see this crossover now. Uh, and if it happens, don't worry, you can have that idea. That's fine. I, I, I won't claim any, anything there. Um, as you can tell, right, that's it for news. I mean, we, you know, if we've missed anything, do let us know, folks. But shall we take a trip to Cargo Bay 101? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. 
That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Ellie, me old flower, do you have anything for us that we can blast into space? Because space is looking a bit lonely there. I do. I feel like I should point out at this point, because I, I join you on the podcast quite often, and I do a Cargo Bay 101 quite often, makes it seem like there's a lot of things about Star Trek I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> Are we all and I actually find it quite hard sometimes to think of something, but I do have one. I do have one. So from my COVID bubble of the week, I've been watching Discovery, because it's one of the ones I haven't seen, but because we've got the new season coming, I thought, you know what, that's the one I'm going to watch next. Um and to be honest, this could be extended to all of television, to be honest. And I'm fairly certain it's probably happened at some point in every Star Trek show. But I've particularly noticed this in, in Discovery, and um, particularly season two. It's when characters in a really high stake, high pressure, time sensitive situation, people are being shot at. Things are being exploded. We need to solve this problem right now. And they still find time to have a deep sorrowful, meaningful conversation while people are being shot at and dying. And I'll give you some examples because this has happened a few times. Uh, well, you know, I'd, it, there's a time and a place. And when everyone's going, hurry up, hurry up, we're all going to die in a minute. Mm. Examples. Um, I have only just gotten to season three, but particularly season two, there was a moment where they had to go and rescue Tilly and... Discovery is literally being pulled one way and there's another ship like tractor beaming them out and they're going, hurry up, hurry up. You've got to be quick because we're going to get pulled in. We're going to get destroyed. And the whole time, I mean, granted, they just found Dr. Colber. He's all alive. It's lovely. But they're standing there going, come with me. I can't. He can't get through. We can save him. And they're all just standing there and crying and looking at each other. And they're literally calling through. Pike's like, hurry up, hurry up. We've got to go. And they're just standing there talking. And I'm going, hurry up. <laughs> You've got to go. And then cut to the finale of season two. You've got the Enterprise being destroyed and shot at. There's literally like a bomb in, embedded inside it. You've got the Discovery being shot at. The shields are at like 10%. And Burnham's like just standing there. And looking around, it's not working. And then it works. And then it's, oh, Spock can't come with you. I'll stand here for however many minutes and cry about that while everyone's <laughs> exploding and dying. He's not going to die. He just can't come with you. He's going to be fine. Hurry up. It's <laughs> very frustrating. I just shout at the screen the whole time. Hurry up. People are dying because they're waiting for you to press that button. It's right there. Press it. <laughs> A character standing around and crying in Discovery? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, I get it. Look There's no Sean's television face. if you don't have these. <laughs> if you don't have these moments, then it was the point in the television program. But sometimes yeah. it just gets to a point where you're like, I was going to say this is really unrealistic, but I mean, they're in the future and they're in space and there's aliens. So, you know, not yeah. very realistic anyway. But the, come on, hurry up. People are dying because you are taking your sweet ass time to just say goodbye <laughs> to somebody. <laughs> I, I I do have opinions on this, and I know what you mean you're. It's it's one of those cliches, basically, that's you're frustrated with that is used a lot. Where 
it's a tense moment and they then break it up with, yeah, like an emotional little bit. I mean, one of the cliches that gets used all the time is something like that's happening is gunfire, blah, blah, blah. And then a character speaks to another character about their relationship. And then that character goes, you know, do you think this is the right time to do this? Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, but I love you and I need to let you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, that happens a lot and it's it, it can be frustrating. And like the thing you said about like, you know, it's a, it's a show that everyone's in space and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't feel realistic. I do have opinions on that as well. We spoke about it on a, an episode ages ago when we were talking about Strange New Worlds. And it was when I said... I, I found it weird how uh, Spock's mum, the actress, felt really young and it just like threw me off. And whoever the guest was on that time was like, you know, this is a sci-fi space show. Like if that's bothering you, then you have lots of other things to be bothered by. And I understand that sentiment, but I do think there's certain things in the human brain that gets in the way when you're watching something you can watch a show where everyone is some sort of slug alien that you know they transport by farting right but if if one slug alien is you know doing something that feels slightly off like you know like that thing you're talking about your your brain will still get pulled out of it because your your investment suddenly goes wait why are they doing that so I do understand. And I mean, the flip side of what you're talking about is also that happens a lot in, in lots of things now since the Avengers is is a tense moment that's happening and then suddenly someone makes like a joke that undercuts it. And it's like, yes, very funny, but like I keep seeing that and I just don't believe it as what someone would realistically do in that situation. I don't think you would make a stupid joke. So yeah, it's one of those things. It's a, it's a classic writing technique but if we've seen it a million times, then then maybe it, we should do something different. I think as well, like my biggest annoyance with it is toward, it's actually later in Discovery, which is huge emotional beats when there's actually zero stakes. Yeah. Um, and I think my, the, the, the one that really wound, well, two that really wound me up were... Um, when Owosakon is, you know, going to basically fix a leaky tap and <laughs> stops to tell every member of the team that she loves them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I was just like, okay, now, all right, yeah, it, it was, they started the framing with, okay, this is, she might not come back from this one, or as we like to call it, going on an away mission. Yeah. Um, and And that was just like, right, you're undercutting your emotion here. I get what you're trying to get the audience to be like, oh my God. So that was one. And the other one then was, I, I, I have, I, I, I labeled this one toward the editing of this episode. And it was General Ndoye basically goes on a suicide mission to stop the 10C. She's beamed out before the ship has even hit. Oh my God, she's going to die. She's fine. Yeah, and not only that, but they don't even show her rematerializing. They're like, "Oh, she's in the transporter." Which grand? I mean, while we're on, while we're on the topic of just kind of discovery bashing, which I don't mean that like that. I just <laughs> while we're on the topic, because my mom said to me um, yesterday, she was like, "Can you please add this to a Cargo Bay one hundred and one?" And I feel like it fits. Um, I've started to notice this now because I've just started season three, and I've started to really notice it now. Is Burnham is always whispering? 
<laughs> Why yeah. are you always whispering? She literally got on the bridge and Saru was like, we need to have a discussion about who's going to be captain. And she's like, you're the captain. I'm like, you're on the bridge. <laughs> this doesn't need to be. Uh, you're the captain, Saru. I've got some power behind this. I really mean it. You're the captain, Saru. You always that... have been. Why are you whispering? <laughs> that's something that I, that's in a lot of TV shows and films and stuff that I hate. And um, they, I said this last week, if I can mention Deadwood, I will. They kind of do a joke about that in Deadwood where there's an episode where there's a character and she's asking a question and she's like, do you think you could do this? Blah, blah, blah. And the other character goes, what? And then later on, she like whispers again. And then the other character says, does everybody, do you always talk this quietly? <laughs> like, I just like the idea of suddenly pointing out that like, why are people talking so quietly to, to sound meaningful in these shows? Um, but I think what you were saying as well, Sean, this could lead to like, a lot, and I made a joke about it earlier, lots of people make fun of Discovery for being overly emotional and there's lots of crying and blah, blah, blah. And I think it's it's Discovery specifically compared to other Star Trek shows because a lot of the emotion is not earned, so it feels melodramatic. And you don't feel... The, the 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 heightened emotion that you're you're receiving the crying and the, all that stuff doesn't feel like it's necessary for the scene that we're watching and it's really difficult like i'm writing myself and i always find that stuff really difficult to write like having an emotional scene like if if a character is crying there's such a fine point between it feeling earned and it and it feeling melodramatic and i think a lot of the time Discovery was trying to do something different. It was trying to have it as like a heightened emotional show that is a Star Trek show, but it just didn't work a lot of the time because, you know, we're watching we're watching this sort of fun genre fiction that is also trying to be like a, a, a dramatic, like HBO show. And a lot of the time they just don't really mix. Um, they can do, but I just, I think a lot of the time they don't, which is, which I guess is kind of what we're sort of, all talking about here, which I think is why Discovery gets a lot of the bashing that it does. It is trying to do something different, but it just didn't really pull it off. Yes, is 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 the long and short of that. Um, Discovery is at its best when, quite frankly, it's discovering. Yeah. Um, it's it, and uh, yeah, so it's not that it can't do emotion. I think the overproduced, oh, over heavy moments have hurt the show, um, and. Like you get like you get these moments with Saru, which I think are brilliant, uh, because it's a little bit less over the top. Um and I think I think a lot of the criticisms directed at Burnham are nothing to do with the show. Um and which is why, <laughs> if I'll be honest with you, a lot of the time I'm a bit hesitant to criticize discovery as much as because I know there is an entire huge bad faith section of humanity that are criticizing for reasons that have absolutely nothing to do with acting and directing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I actually really enjoyed it. I was a little bit skeptical when I started watching it because I I know that this is the one that's got the most like controversy surrounding it. And I was like, I'm not sure. Season two, I really enjoyed. And I don't know whether that's because I am one of those lucky people that has seen Strange New Worlds. And so because it was Pike and obviously this is what inspired Strange New Worlds to become a thing, but I was like, I'm really enjoying this because I feel like I'm just watching Strange New Worlds almost, which 
I guess is that a good thing or a bad thing? But actually, I enjoyed the storyline. I enjoy. I love time travel, timey wimey stuff. So I really enjoyed the kind of storyline and everything, and it all unfolding. I really enjoyed that. There are just certain parts of it that I'm like, shift it. People are waiting for you to <laughs> yeah. get out of there so that they can stop being shot at. <laughs> yeah, I, I I just want to quickly add on to what you were saying, Sean, and, and I and agree. It's so difficult. There's so many things that come out, TV shows, films and stuff that I have criticisms for, but at the same time, a lot of the people who are criticising it, like you said, are criticising it for the complete wrong reasons. And it's like, mm-hmm. do I want to add my voice into it and get it confused with what these people are saying? Mm-hmm. Or or do I want to keep quiet? But then I then I feel like I'm, you know, stopping myself from expressing my my opinions and stuff. So it, it is a very difficult world we live in when it comes to this stuff at the moment. It is a little bit. So like, so is it, so is it what's going into Cargo Bay 101 is <laughs> stopping to have a big DMC while the consoles are exploding around you or. Yeah, yeah I think that's, yeah, that's the, that's the gist of it. We just went on a little tangent afterwards, but yeah, yeah. standing around to have a deep conversation at the complete inappropriate moment. Yeah. <laughs> Have that conversation afterwards when we're all safe. Yes. Yeah, and if you've got to say goodbye to someone because you're never going to see them again, that's fine. But people are literally screaming in your ear that you need to hurry up. So keep it brief, you know? Hmm. Yeah, like, yeah. Fr- frankly, yeah. Uh, it, it, for some reason, this reminds me of that meme. And it's like the edge of a building and Spider-Man is standing there. Just behind him is Batman. Just behind him is Spawn. And there's a sign that says, please keep your brooding to 15 minutes or less. Remember. <laughs> the thing is, you um, know what? We were just saying about those emotional like moments and, and maybe not finding the balance. I genuinely think the scene would have had more emotional impact if it had been, Spot can't come with you. Oh my God, I've got to go. And it's got to be this really quick rushed goodbye because of the high stakes of the situation, that's more emotional and more dramatic than delaying the whole mission so that you can stand there and have a really long goodbye. It's yes. more powerful and more gripping if it's like, yeah. I've got to go, you can't come with me. Oh my God, boom, she's gone. And then they can and reflect then leave, it Leave it hanging on that for a moment, yeah. 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 I think that would have been more dramatic. I'd, I'd like I to see an episode... Like yeah, yeah. I'd like to see an episode where... Uh, they do that, they have this long goodbye, they're ignoring people shouting at them, and they get back to the ship, and then the captain says, uh, you're being transferred because you keep not listening to me when I'm trying to save everybody's life, so... <laughs> and then they just yeah. get fired. <laughs> <laughs> That's more realistic. <laughs> Based on that criteria, yeah? Yeah. I think, I think I would be able to push that button. Yeah, we're sending a cliche out into space, that, that seems fair. For sure. <laughs> For sure. Goodbye, cliches. Uh, Everyone, get inside before I open this door. (laughs) Mr. Tom, have you any questions for us? You specifically, do you have any questions for us? Yes, yeah. I can't get into my um, website account. Can you give me the email? No, I have questions from Twitter um, for for the ask the hashtag Ask Trek Culture segment. Uh, remember, guys, send them in if you have anything you want to ask us, either about Star Trek, about Trek culture, or anything in general. But let's start with this. Uh, this is from at Stevens Trek. 
what is uh, yes. your hello, hello. what is your most out of the box series concept for a future Star Trek series? Star Trek Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. <laughs> <laughs> that would be out of the box. I want to see the adventures of Tuvix. <laughs> alternate alternate reality. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. And he's like Kenny from South Park, and then in every episode he dies. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh my god, they killed Tuvix. Who <laughs> did? Janeway. Um, um I want to see a show that just follows the uh the little flipper babies. Um you know, and they're like completely evil domination of the Delta Quadrant because of their parents' rejection. Of, well, technically, technically, their uncle's rejection of them. Like Chakotay okay. abandoned them. They just this needs back. to be an episode of Prodigy. I feel like on their adventures back through the Delta Quadrant, they just need to find that planet where there's those little mm. grown-up lizard babies. That's that's an episode of Prodigy right there. Hundred percent. Well, they said <laughs> there's going to be a cameo that is going to be bigger than the Doctor. Maybe it's them. I'm so on board with that. Way more so than I should be. Talking about Neelix, this is from at Bill and Teb. Um, nice. What would Neelix make of McDonald's? I feel like he would be absolutely enthralled by the concept of McDonald's. <laughs> that is so specific. Um, <laughs> so, um, I mean, like the oral saver menu would blow his mind. Yeah. <laughs> he literally wouldn't be able to contain himself. He's like, it's a chicken and it's a nugget of chicken. What is this? <laughs> He'd be like, what is chicken? <laughs> Where can I have my Leola root? <laughs> He'd be chasing all the workers going, I just have this one ingredient I think you should add. It'll really improve the taste. No, we told you about this, Neelix. Stop. <laughs> Um, this is from, well, this might alienate some people. Have any of you watched The Traitors on BBC One? I have not. I believe the world is obsessed with this show at the moment. Yeah, that makes me more more yes. like inclined just to not watch it, just because everyone has been. <laughs> well, I've seen it, and I like it. So I'm going to answer this question for our friend at Trick, uh, Chris Trekken. Um, do you reckon Garrick would make it to the end of The Traitors? Without getting banished yes. slash murdered, and who do you think could be in the game with him? Yes, I do think he would get to the end of, of Traitors, um, and who'd be uh, Cisco would be there with him, and Cisco would get really frustrated <laughs> with him getting to the end, <laughs> and he would know that he's a traitor, but uh, he can't do anything about it because Garrick is too clever for him. Um, so that that goes out to my Traitors fans. Right, <laughs> two more questions. No, knowing nothing about the traders as I do, um, like of course Gary is going to get to the end. Yeah, <laughs> it's got the word traders in it. He he can do it. You know he can do yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> this is from at med underscore kicks. Would Cisco handle the Expanse and the Zindi better than Archer, or would Archer handle the Dominion better than Cisco? That's a good question because we. Not with those particular characters, but we saw Pike handling the Romulans worse than Kirk. Yeah. Uh, in Equality of Mercy. So, oh, actually, that's a really good question. Um, Is they both sort I of... I don't know. Actually, yeah. Yeah. Cisco, like, 
ends up having to do a few things like we were just talking about that he doesn't feel comfortable with doing but it has to happen to help win the war and Archer ends up going a bit too far in places to beat the Zindi so it's like they're both willing to go beyond what a captain should be doing to to win the war so I wonder if they both could just swap their places and they're both going to be as good because <laughs> they're both going to push push the limit I wonder if like how long would it take Cisco to commit war crimes in the Delphic <laughs> Expanse yeah um, and I mean like you know when they come to the edge of the Expanse and you find a way to detonate it the whole Expanse <laughs> um, Archer against the Dominion I think wouldn't do as well yeah um, because I think where obviously this is a much bigger conversation, but Cisco was shown to be far less everyone's mate than say Archer or Picard were. Yeah. Okay, Picard. Yeah, Bezzy mates with everyone, but you know what I mean. As in, there was there was more room in say Enterprise and Next Gen, if you like, for Archer getting to know the crew. It's not that Cisco didn't. Cisco was busy. Yeah. Cisco was the one. Like I, I, I think Cisco. If we add up the amount of times of you, you, you know, this was not a request. This is an order. Cisco says that probably way more times than any other captain. And so then, having Archer face off against someone like Wayun, I think Archer would be taken in by Wayun yeah. sooner than say Cisco would have been. That's fair. And uh, our final question is from at Finnish Oscar. Uh, yes. Tom, Sean, and any potential guest, which this time it's Ellie. That's uh, me. <laughs> if you could change one thing from any part of Trek history, what would it be and why? It's a big question to end on. <laughs> I, well, actually, I know exactly what I would do. Um, in the episode, The Enemy Within, from the original, series I would take out Spock making a crack uh, about how basically attractive evil Kirk would be with Janice Rand in the room who evil Kirk had just tried to rape it is a yeah. horrible scene it aged badly the second it aired that's fair so now mine doesn't seem quite so serious <laughs> <laughs> but is, I'm that... gonna say it anyway Cool. What's what's yours? Let's bring the mood back up a bit. Um, what's um, yours? Take away seven inch cote. What was that about? No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. Okay, I can understand why they didn't go with Chicote Janeway. Fine. Seven inch cote makes even less sense. Absolutely. It didn't add to it. You could have very easily found another way to convince Janeway to do what needed to be done without pairing. Seven inch cote. Plus, it just came out of nowhere. No, yeah. I would scrap that. <laughs> That's fair. I don't actually know. Uh, I would change the history so Seven inch cote got together earlier on. <laughs> <laughs> I quit. I'm going. Bye. <laughs> Janeway just sits to the side, going, "Oh, I wish that was me." You know, in those scenes when someone <laughs> sees everyone like kissing at the benches and. And it's just them alone. It would be that. It would be seven and Jacoby. And then they have a baby and the baby comes out with like... Oh my God. <laughs> implants. They've got like a fake eye. 
<laughs> and a tattoo. <laughs> yeah, and a tattoo. Because <laughs> they just lost their minds when they were writing it. It was like, that's what happens, isn't it? Tattoos, tattoos and robot parts come out when you're born. And then Janeway kills the I baby. Like... <laughs> <laughs> wow. There were three very different answers to that question. They yeah. were. We are not good people. Wait, no, I am. I'm a great person. <laughs> uh... That's everything for our podcast this week, folks. Thank you so much for watching along. You are, of course, awesome and wonderful and deadly. You can follow us on Twitter, Blue Sky and TikTok at Trek Culture. We're on Instagram at Trek Culture YT. Uh, you will find all of our various handles there as well. Uh, so thank you so much. You are awesome and wonderful. And Ellie, thank you for joining us this week. Um, I know you're a bit under the weather, so it was very, very, very wonderful that you did join us. So thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. Tom, you're fine. Uh, everyone, <laughs> we will uh, talk to you <laughs> next week. Look after yourselves and have a wonderful week. Bye. Bye-bye. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.